like Stitch from Lido Stitch says, hi, you know who it is? It's the R-A-L-P-H from the S-O-U-T-H. Feel that bass. Okay, I'm done. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Scientifically Sound. I'm your host, Ralph from the South. Excited to present to you today a wonderful episode that I got to record with my good friends from graduate school. He actually defended his PhD this year. His name is Dr. Abir Majumdar. He's actually going to be moving down to Texas. But before he leaves, I want to get an inside look in terms of his mind, how it works in terms of his research he did for his thesis, and hopefully just have a good time. Well, without any further ado, welcome to Scientifically Sound. Oh my god, who is this? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my gosh, who is singing so funny? Yeah. yeah. What we got? We got science. What? We got music. Put them together, let's use it. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, let me be the substrate in your ear receptors And let this not just be one endeavor uh, Yeah, yeah, I get crunk on the science Yeah, I pull the lever And with the music, I just hope you say Dang it, clever, whatever Bring it, master what matters All the while my life is scattered You surge on in general I guess you're David Satcher And you bet I got you when it comes down to the laughter And whatever may come after Scientifically sound so profound Gonna convert energy like it's dollar to the pound Just listen to this while you making some hash browns Or maybe later after you breaking some cash mounds Who am I? It's Ralph from the South Who raps out his mouth And we bring the music and the science that's around And that's on period And I just thank you for hearing this Scientifically sound Oh my god, I'm so excited Hello, everyone. Oh, it feels so good. It's so hot. And why is Minnesota like this? I don't know, but I do know this. This is the Scientifically Sound with your host that does the most, Ralph from the South. And I have a special guest on today, everyone. But first, I want to tell a story. You know, for those who have gone through the trials and tribulations of trying to get into grad school, there is a certain part where you have to go through an interview stage. And when it comes to my school, their, I guess, weeding out process starts when you hit this bar called Stubborn Herbs. I went downstairs. I started talking with some faculty and some students. There was a lanky man, a wonderful man, in a salmon or salmon, whatever your preference may be, in a salmon sweater and some khaki pants just chilling. And we spent probably half the night talking about music, about life, until he was essentially drawn away from his own PI. But ever since then, I realized that I needed to be at Minnesota because he was there, as well as other things. But he is known to me as the nomadic, schematic scientist out here. Because honestly, he doesn't even know where he was born in. Or maybe he does. He's just traveled everywhere and back. This man is probably going to be the ambassador of Wikipedia one day. Because this man really be studying everything and anything from Wikipedia pages. Everyone, give it up for the doctor as of, I forget what date, but it was awesome. Dr. Abir Majumdar. Give it up. Woo! 
What's going on, man? Ralph White the Third. How's it going? Uh, you know, I'm first here. of all, okay, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be an ambassador for Wikipedia. It is true I spend a lot of time on it, and it is true that I spend quite a bit of time editing pages because I get infuriated by poorly worded Wikipedia pages, but uh, I, I, I don't think I rep <laughs> Wikipedia. Let's make that clear. You say that because you're so modest. Oh, Abir, it's so happy. I'm so happy to have you on. I only introduced you in the way I knew how, but you can only truly introduce yourself. I've been saying that in every past episode. I don't know what philosopher said it, but how about you introduce yourself, where you're at, where you're <laughs> sure. headed. And I would say the nomadic schematic is the name I would come up for myself if I were feeling extremely pretentious, but... You said it. I didn't. Let's go with it. Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for the introduction. I'm I'm Abir Majumdar. I was born in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Uh, so I do know where I was born. I lived in the Middle East for a while growing up, and then I moved to Minnesota, and I've been here ever since. So I've been in Minnesota for a long time. That's my life story in a nutshell. <laughs> Nice, man. What made you actually get into science just off the yeah, bat? That's a very good question. I, I still don't strictly know the answer to that. I think I I was always kind of drawn to it, but I also found it very challenging um, and always have found it very challenging. Um, I think I really enjoyed my high school science classes. Uh, I kind of enjoyed my college science classes and then uh at some point you know the rubber met the road and i had to decide what i wanted to do with my life and graduate school seemed like a good option for me um well okay i'll tell you why i why i applied for graduate school actually so i am a person who has never felt comfortable with like really long-term projects like two weeks is the perfect amount of time for me. And I really wanted to increase like the time, the amount of time that I can work on something. Like I really wanted to increase my patience and what better place than graduate school in the sciences to do that? Because it is a slog. <laughs> Am I right? Oh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I think everyone has to deal with patience, whether yeah. it's going to the centrifuge and waiting for 16 hours or whether it's waiting for your cells to actually grow. Oh, that's amazing. Also, actually, everyone, a beer is actually an interesting, of course, interesting person, but interesting case of just how he pursues science because he was more computational until he got into a person's lab and immediately had to go into bacteria work. <laughs> I was. I was a computational person, but I realized uh, pretty quickly that I am not that good at math. I'm okay at math, but I think you have to be, you have to be interested in mathematics to a certain degree that I just was not willing to, to put effort into. So that's why I, I looked for other things and the biological sciences was like the perfect place for me to be. Did everyone hear that? He admitted that he's not good at math and that is okay, everyone. You must yeah, I'm Indian okay. and I'm terrible at math. Who, who would have thought? Hey, oh lord oh geez. we 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 <laughs> exist we exist 
Of course. But, you know, I'm happy to have you on. I'm, I think your journey is so significant because the changes that you went through and now even as you pursue the future goals, it's kind of astonishing and it actually gives a blueprint for me and a bunch of us just to be like, oh, yeah, you could really go anywhere with this if you really thought about it. So tell me, how do you feel in a song? And by that, I mean, if you could give us a playlist of what's been going on this past week, past month, in terms of describing your time in lab, or in particular, you're moving, aren't you? I am moving very soon, yes. Yeah, so what's been going on? How do you describe how you feel in a song? All right, I will say you caught me on a very good week because normally I listen to podcasts and don't listen to a ton of music anymore. But I think this is a week where I had to uh, focus on things in a way that... I haven't had to in a while, so I listen to a lot of music. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the three things that I listen to. I listen to uh, "Butterflies" by Casey Musgraves over and over and over again. Uh, it's kind of a cheesy song, but I really like yes. it. I listen to uh, "Restless" by Hot Since '82 from his uh, 2015 album uh, "Knee Deep in Sound." And I listened to the entire Toro Imoa album, Anything in Return, 2013. What? One of my favorite albums of all time. He's calling it out, folks. Y'all better listen to some of these. But wait, why are you restless? Why am I restless? Uh, I don't know. I just had a lot of energy this week, and I didn't know where to put it. I hope it wasn't because of data. Well, if it is because of data, we'll give it to you, but also... Yeah, hopefully it's to like something exciting, such as your new opportunities and all that jazz, right? No, I'll, okay, I'll tell you. Like, you, so you mentioned that I have now defended, and I'm in the phase where I'm a temporary postdoc waiting to move so that I can move to my less temporary postdoc. And I will say for anyone who is planning to do something like that your motivation will be at zero during that period because you just finished your degree. Like, why would you want to keep working in this place? Yeah, they're really interesting questions, but they're not your problem anymore. They're for the next people who are going to work and, you know, take over from your project. So I think the restlessness has something to do with that, where, like, I have a million ideas I'm not sure I want to follow through on any of them right now because I'm moving soon. You know what I mean? I totally get it. <laughs> what? What? Oh my gosh! I'm sorry. This ties to one a song that I always love singing in random times. Teddy Pendergrass. Sometimes you gotta let it go. But this isn't a TKO for you, even though you knocked it out of the park in your defense. So you, I've already teased in terms that you're moving. Where are you headed? What are yeah. you about to do? Yeah, absolutely. I So I'm headed to UT Southwestern in Dallas in about a month and a half, probably two months. Uh, I will be working with Dr. Vincent Tagliabracci, who is a molecular biologist who studies uh, pseudokinases, which is different enough from what I work on now, but is similar enough that I just have enough to grab hold on to, you know, grab a hold on to what they do day to day i dig the fact that you're sticking with kinases it's so weird in terms of 
I mean, there are plenty of scientists out there that I will be looking into kinases, but there are so many things, and we'll get into this as we go further along into the episode. Kinases are definitely like shooting stars in just different constellations, and it's so weird because you look at kinases and I look at kinases, but we look at totally two different things when it comes to it. We do, yeah. I look at response of a kinase to a drug, and you look at confirmation. But it's so amazing, and I'm so proud of you that you're my friend. You're getting into this. Thank you, Ralph. Sometimes you got to be proud of your friends, everyone, on the Scientifically Sound. You kind of talked on terms of being restless. What would be some tips that you want to give to some grad students that feel restless a little bit? Mm, Try to find a time to work out. I think that's the biggest one for me. I think, and I am certainly guilty of not following through on this advice, but I really... For me, it's running. Like, I think running helps me a lot. It doesn't have to be that for you, but I feel like on the days when I haven't done that, the days just aren't as good. Like, you can have a great day in science and it still just doesn't feel that great because, I don't know, I was restless and I knocked over a plate or, like, I was restless and I spilled a bunch of buffer, you know? Like, I think it really helps to... I think it really helps to calm me. I don't know. I. What's the craziest thing that you, I guess, have knocked over in lab? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, okay, I think a better way to phrase that is, uh, what's the most expensive thing I've knocked over in lab? Uh, and I think, no. I think it was a super loop. It was one of those uh, injector like columns that that you use for for the FPLC. They cost like $1,000, and I just knocked one over once. And, uh, you know, borosilicate glass. How much did it cost? It cost $1,000. It was... uh, A thousand? That's your whole paycheck after two weeks. I know. Didn't cost me that. Thankfully, like, my PI was very understanding about it. And actually, I think it would be probably illegal for any PI to make their graduate student pay for broken equipment but uh you know there's a story in that too i think like i was a pretty new graduate student at the time and i think i just broke an expensive piece of equipment and i would say that the natural response would be maybe a little bit of anger maybe a little bit of uh i don't know there could be some nastiness there but luckily he was very very graceful and just told me to be a little bit more careful next time and uh we put it behind us i don't know i think see you just uh, called him graceful so i'm gonna let him know after you're gone just like hey you're graceful i just want (laughs) you to know that also i think it's crazy that that's happened because i mean i still worry about it i'm only a fourth year i worry about leaving antibodies out too long of course i worry actually (laughs) This is how frustrating I am, everyone. I, so when I first started in cell culture, you know, they tell you to sterilize everything. And I took that way too seriously. I'm gonna tell that story at another point. But another thing that I love to do is making sure that my wrists and my fingers can actually pick up plates because cell plates are weird where there's like, there's enough of a gap for you to grip them. And there's enough of a gap for them to slip through your fingers. And I was doing an experiment. It was a nine day experiment and my plate just fell out of my hand onto the floor. And all my, like everything, the media just fell out. 
and I couldn't even deal. I cried on that floor, cleaned up, went home because what was the point at that point? I was I too think that's excited. a good thing to I think that's the correct response. Like I think at some point you just have to cut your losses and go home and recuperate and then come back the next day. I think but- it's there are often times when you when your instinct is to try it over and it's like seven PM let's start over. Let's do it again. Maybe it'll work this time. And I think get out of the get out of that habit. Like that's a that's a bad bad habit to form. Everyone, I wish I had heard that like, probably like when I was a second year because I used to be that person that stayed late in lab when something went wrong. I was like, I can do it. Three more hours, I'm here. Four more hours, I'm here. I still think one day universities are just going to be like, we have cots installed in a break room if you need to sleep or bunk beds. Bunk beds for universities just to rest as grad students would be great. However, everyone would be trying to use it yeah make it make it your life's mission to never have to sleep overnight in lab during graduate school or during a postdoc i think that's that's a very like those are words to live by absolutely so absolutely so we've learned a lot of inspiration everybody make sure you actually go home to sleep Find something to do that breaks you out of just the restlessness of doing grad school all the time. And always remember, just take care of yourself. And right here, let's take a break and we'll be back with the show. Hello, everyone. It's me, Ralph from the South, coming to you with your Song of the Sound for this episode. The song of the sound for this episode is Miracles by Salt, S-A-U-L-T. They're a British music collective coming in, focusing in more on Black-centric issues. But within this song, and especially with what me and Abir have just talked about, making sure that you take care of yourself and loving on yourself, you know, it's hard sometimes when you (laughs) come home from lab and you think you didn't do anything. You think this is all going crazy. I know for myself, I just had my thesis committee meeting and I felt really bad. But this song is a great reminder that you yourself is a miracle for whatever situation that you're in, whether it's in the lab, whether it's outside the lab, whether it's with your friends, you yourself are a miracle to someone else. And I'm glad that I even got to listen to the song because they are very under the radar. I mean, I heard of them as I went to a record store shopping for different records. And I asked the teller just like, hey, what's playing over the speakers? Like, oh, it's salt. You don't really know much about them, but they make great music. So, Miracles by Salt. Go check them out, and let's get back to the show. One, two, three. Gonna have a fucking good time. Hey, I'm gonna have a fucking good time. How you feeling, Incubator? I'm gonna have a... How you feeling, PCR plate? Oh, yeah. How you feeling? Have a fucking good time. How you feeling, Autoclave? I to take you high. How you feeling, Florimeter? Yeah. Oh, man. I was not ready for that, but that was awesome. First of all, I'm going to start introducing every piece of equipment like that from now on. So if you all know this song. What's a PCR plate? I don't even know what that is. I just, those were words that came out of my mouth as you were singing. That. Oh, a beer. 
Oh, lovely a beer. For some of you, you may know this song because it's something that comes on the radio probably once every blue moon when it comes to old school or funk or soul. And for the rest of you that don't know the song, lucky you, you're going to have a funky good time learning about it. This is a song called Doing It to Death, which is very funny because though that puts those groups of words don't even show up in the song ever. It's by James Brown and the JVs, which happened back in about January 1973 and when that actually was recorded and then it was released in April 1973. So full on, we going funky, we doing soul. I see a lot of people jamming. But the wonderful thing about this song and what it relates with a beer, you're about to learn today. The song, Doing It to Death, recorded in 1973 by none other than James Brown and his band, the JBs. Wonderful thing about this song in terms of relating it to the beer's research is two things. I want you to remember this as a beer goes into his research. Funk is dynamic. And you really can take it anywhere you want to. When it comes to the song, Doing It to Death, as I only sang the chorus, it actually introduced two artists coming in as the bass players doing this, and I'm gonna have to mouth bass it, obviously. It introduced two artists, one named Fred Wesley and another guy named Maceo. One is a trombone player, the other one's a saxophone player. And the song modulates between F to D. And with that actually going through dynamics and going through different changes, this leads to a beer's wonderful research. But first, before we get into that, what do you think about the song of beer? Because I sent it to you. I I don't know. I Here's where it gets hard for me with James Brown, right? Because once in a generation musician, right? And yet, not a great dude, right? Like, he, I mean... I think, like, you know, you have to separate a, a, a musician from their art, the person from what they do. But I think he was sufficiently horrible to the women he was with that I think it's important to acknowledge that. With that being said, though, I love that song. It's such a great song. Like, it's such a, I don't know, delightful, like... It's like a jam session, funky really. Funky song. Yeah, it really is. I agree. It's weird having to listen to it and how he was interacting with all the artists. And I encourage all of you to go take a listen on your own time because you get to hear a lot of things James was saying out of the blue with people coming in to play with him and how the song changes and so forth. And it kind of reminds me, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, about kinases. So you actually studied kinases in... A variety of different ways and I remember because I rotated in his lab everybody or his PI's lab that confirmations are nothing that just go open and close and they're doing it to death forever they actually have their own dynamic nature of going towards an open confirmation and a closed confirmation unfortunately everyone I am not big in terms of studying it so I'm gonna let a beer take over and tell you about his research Sure. So, okay, so we've been talking about this PI. Yes. This PI happens to be Nick Levinson at the Department of Pharmacology at the University of Minnesota. Great guy. Go talk to him sometime. He'd love to talk to you. So we study protein kinases. And in particular, we study 
the conformational states of protein kinases. So these are proteins that phosphorylate downstream targets. That's their job in in cell signaling. Uh, but what we do is we really look at the dynamics of these protein kinases, right? So we look at how does the protein behave? What kind of conformational state does it adopt in response to, let's say, other activating proteins binding to them or inhibitors binding to them or any sort of biochemical effectors binding to these proteins? How does that affect the protein's conformation? Uh, so we use a variety of spectroscopic uh, techniques to, to study these, these kinases. In my case, I, I was studying a particular kinase called cyclin-dependent kinase 2, or CDK2. Uh, I'm very happy to talk about it more if you want to. Uh, it, I, I almost have it packaged in this beautiful way for my for my defense, so I could summarize that very Didn't quickly. Did you call you it a blob? I did call it a blob, yeah. See, see, here's the thing. I called it a blob because I was thinking about it, and I, I, I realized the morning of my defense that every time I have seen my protein kinase, CDK2, depicted on like a whiteboard or a schematic or some sort of cellular transduction pathway, uh, what I have seen it depicted as is this blob that just says CDK2 on it. And that's great. Like, I think like it's important to, to know what this protein does in the broader, you know, in, in terms of the entire cell functioning as one thing. But we study the dynamics of particular kinases. So it's infuriating to me to see that and go, well, hang on, there's more to it than that. Like, it's not just like this little oval sitting in the middle of this whiteboard. Like, this thing is like this dynamic living thing that I have grown to love and kind of hate in a lot of ways. We'll accept that love-hate relationship with CDK2. Got important yeah. to cell signaling. Um, to all of you that may not know what phosphorylation entails or anything, but it's mainly the communication nodes, what happens in a cell. So when it comes to Abir's research with kinases, he's just looking how communication goes, but also the dynamics of sorts that go into that. It low-key just sounds like you're nurturing a baby and trying to understand said baby in all of its glory of like, so you can do this, but you also do this and this, and it's similar to this as well as this, but you definitely don't do that whatsoever. And sometimes you might, depending on the environment. Am I right or wrong? Sure. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you an analogy for this. Let's say you are at a rave, okay? Uh, and you're taking, but you're taking like individual pictures of like people dancing, right? Those would roughly correspond to x-ray crystal structures of proteins, right? Where you can see that they might adopt one conformation or another conformation at any given time or any given biochemical state. But what that doesn't tell you is how well the, the people, or in this case, these proteins dance, right? These proteins are constantly moving. They're constantly dancing. And you don't get any sense from these crystal structures, or in this case, the, the photographs, the stills of like, how well these things do that or how much 
they dance. Maybe they don't dance all that much at all. Uh, that's how I tend to think of this, right? Is like we're we're trying to apply these these spectroscopic methods to figure out how these proteins dance and like how good their moves are. I like that. And now that's why you have a PhD and I'm still trying to figure out why I'm trying to get a PhD. <laughs> nah, I kid everyone. So wait, with studying how we're going to keep using the analogy of dance, what techniques did you have yeah, to sure. use in particular? You say spectroscopic. Can you go into detail, I guess, in terms of what you... Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, well, we... So for my defense, for my PhD work, I would say... I mainly used two techniques. Uh, one is called DEER, double, double electron electron spectroscopy. It's a type of EPR where essentially we attach nitroxide spin probes to the protein, and then we just follow the distances between uh, those two spin probes. So let's say you have a protein molecule. You know that certain parts of that protein molecule move around or dance in this case you want to know how much uh, you want to know how much that arm is moving in response to the music so we can use we can literally calculate the distances between these spin probes that we've covalently attached onto the protein molecule and that allows us to see that okay if you would if you add this uh, protein activator, uh, or in our analogy, I guess if you play this particular song, uh, it, you, the, the, the person's arms are moving in this particular way and to this degree. And yeah, that, that's, that's how we figured that out. And then we also use FRET. So we use uh, Forster Resonance Energy Transfer. It's, uh, we do essentially the same thing with uh, fluorescent probes. We attach them to the protein and then figure out how much the, the protein is moving in response to particular uh, biochemical effectors. That's awesome, dude. Also, I'm more specific in terms, please tell me someone's made a joke where they're like, don't fret. <laughs> yeah, I, I never heard that one I'm before, sure everybody so. hates me now for this episode <laughs> of my puns. But that's awesome in terms of how proteins dance and how they actually move in the presence in their environment, whether it's an activator or an inhibitor that's in solution. So I don't know, this might be an inside scoop or whatever, but do you are you going to continue to look at how proteins dance when you go down to Texas? I don't think so. So here's here's where it breaks with with the work, right? So, so Ralph, if I were to ask you, what does a protein kinase do? What does it not do? <laughs> it does so many things. Oh, yeah, what's the what, but what's the what's the function of a protein, protein kinase? kinase is to phosphorylate. Or it talks to Yeah, others. exactly. It phosphorylates things, right? That's that's the canonical like function of a protein kinase. What the lab that I'm going to does is figures out they literally discover non-canonical functions of kinases or proteins that look like kinases called pseudokinases where they still have the kinase fold they still have the the classic features of a kinase and yet they do something completely weird right so for example they've discovered that a particular protein will ampelate something which is it binds atp backwards and then it transfers the amp onto another protein 
right? Which is totally weird. Like, why would it ever do that? Why would you expect a protein to ever do that? And yet, like, that's the kind of stuff that they discover. So that's why I said, like, the work that I'll be doing is related to what I've been doing before. But it also goes off in a very different direction. And I think it's it's very different from classic kinase biology, which I'm very excited about. It's like the rebels. Y'all are just rebel. It's the yeah, rebellion. No, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, these are the people dancing in the corner and you don't really know what they're doing, but they're having a good time. And you just want them to to keep doing that. You'll never understand it, but hey. That's how I feel for the, well, unfortunately when I dance at different functions, they'll throw something way back, like Pina Colada, like the song. And unfortunately, I do not know what you're supposed to do during that song. And me and my friend Linnea. Yeah, I think that's right. And, yeah, and me and my friend Linnea, who actually was interviewed on here, we did the whip, or I think it's just whip and nene the entire time. Sure. And it worked. It just looked real weird, but everyone just enjoyed us during the entire time. Oh, Abir, it's such a blessing to have you on and being able to hear about your research. Now, this is the fun part. In terms of your science and in terms of your life, when are you going to be on Twitter, my boy? Come on. <laughs> I was on Twitter for about 10 years, oh, actually. Gosh. <laughs> I had a Twitter from, oh, I would say 2009 to late 2018. Oh, my goodness. And then I found it insufferable and I found that I was spending too much time on it and I found that it was a medium on which I it made it easier for me to dislike people and I didn't want that in my life so I got rid of it such a wonderful human everyone he wants to like you all (laughs) and since that's the case can you share where we can find you on the internet that's a very good question as well Uh, well, I don't have a Facebook either. Uh, hmm, I, I do have a LinkedIn. You should all go check out my LinkedIn. I, I clearly update it very often. Uh, it's very exciting. I, I add all my projects. My, my latest project was uh, food-related, as you might find out if you look for me. That's about it. I don't. I don't think there's. You. You can find me on this podcast. You can find me on Scientifically Sound. Oh, I think that's like a whole meta this is going to be great, Ralph. Whole... This is going to be great. <laughs> that's whole meta right there. But that perfectly describes how me and a beer are. And with that, everyone, we will end it right here. I'm so happy that you all listened to this podcast. It's such a pleasure to have Doctor. I'm going to keep saying doctor for now because I got this before. I know you hate it. Doctor Abir Majumdar. And to everyone out there, please have a flame over all things when you're doing bacteria work. Because I already done that before without a flame. All my plates were contaminated. That's right. Sterile technique, everyone. Very important. Sterile and go feral. Or be Will Ferrell, depending on how you are. Will Ferrell would have contaminated plates. I completely agree. But we hope that everyone out here will be sterile to 
till the day you get that PhD or BS or whatever degree you're getting. And with that, bye. Bye. Hello, everyone. It's me, Ralph from the South. Thank you so much for listening in. This was a very fun interview with me and a beer. I kind of sad. I'm actually recording this as he's about to go to Texas today. So it's very melancholy, but it was nice and sweet to have him on just as a recording for me to remember him by. And for your for your listening ears, essentially, if you want to follow us at Scientifically Sound, you can follow us on Twitter at four, the number four, the sci underscore sound. You can follow us at Instagram at Scientifically Sound. All one word. And you can also email us at for the scientifically sound at gmail.com. We love receiving emails. We love to look in terms of how we're doing over on our side. Um, a big announcement. Scientifically sound is going to ComSciCon this year for, virtually um, in 2021. So I get to learn more about how to improve my communication skills, especially when it comes to podcasting. So be on the lookout for a new episode where I get to try what I've been working on for the past for that conference. I'm really excited. I'll tell you more in August, but I hope you have a blessed day. Get some sunshine. Don't look into the sun too long because you'll burn your eyes. Bye.